0: Hello. Um, I don't. I don't really have anything to say. <coughs> um, but it's been about a month since I put out an episode, so I thought it was time to say something. Can't just keep on not saying anything forever. Um. Hmm. I don't want to get political again. I don't want to only be political. But boy, there's a lot to talk about all the time. I don't think I'm going to get into this very much. But I do want to just say very briefly. That if um, all these uh, white supremacists coming out of the woodwork. Having marches with the with the um, kitch torches and all that—that's a shock to you. I really don't know what you, like what have you been have you been paying any attention for the last um, four hundred years? Um. It's not. It's not a Trump thing. Every you know, you get, <clears throat> the GOP and other everybody. You know, everybody is very eager to blame this on Trump. Fact of the matter is, he has emboldened certain people. Did invent this crap? This stuff is is this. This stuff is ageless. Whether or not it's ageless everywhere, I don't know. But it's certainly, as far as the United States is concerned, it's as old as the country and older. Hopefully, the country will outlive it. All this hatred, but, um... That'll be the day. Okay, that's it for that stuff. Um... What's a good thing to, uh... I li- my mind is completely blank. I'm... I'm, uh... You know what I think I'm going to talk about is is The Way We Live Now. Which sounds like I'm going to get political again, but it's not. That's the name of a, of a novel that was published in 19... Uh, sorry, 1875. By Anthony Trollope. The Way We Live Now um i would love to if if you know anybody who has read this book i've only met uh one person that i know of who has read it and and one person's father has read it but otherwise i can't i have barely i've heard uh, some people have heard of anthony trollope but haven't heard of the book. But of those people, they've read some Trollope, but none of the book. It's a great, wonderful, uh, long English novel, if you like that kind of thing. All I want to do, really, my, my main aspiration in life is... Uh, I, what I really want to do is write an old English novel. And... Uh, it's it's well i have mixed feelings about it because it's such an arbitrary thing to like like why do i like these novels about these uh flippity-dippity well like okay for uh, middlemarch is the is as good as this as certainly as this genre gets and as good as I mean, it's about as good as novels get. I I don't know if there are better novels. Maybe Russians wrote better novels. The only one that I think might be as good that I've read is Don Quixote. But other than that, and they might be tied too. Like I think Middlemarch is... um, There might be novels as good as Middlemarch, but it's very hard for me to imagine there are novels much better than Middlemarch. So putting Middle March aside, um, I don't know what is the appeal. Oh my! I forgot to disable. I always forget to disable this the screensaver, and then I always forget to re-enable the screensaver. <coughs> there we go. Thirty minutes, uh, an hour. Make it an hour. Start after an hour. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I find it a little troubling that that I like these things so much. Um, Just because how many stories do I need to read like this of just these uh, really pretty useless people uh, going around uh, looking for mates and cheating each other and worried about station? I mean, I guess there's a lot to that. There's a lot that's interesting about that um and the writing you know what the writing stuff it's just so much fun it's such a fun they th- use English in this way that um it's just so inventive that's what I like about it I I, I guess it doesn't matter the thing is you can't set a novel in uh 26 uh, 2017. New York, um, and give it this kind of language, Um, which is why I want to. I want to write an old English novel because I want to be able to use that language without uh, sounding weird or uh, you know like affected or anything. But the truth is, they are. God, it's just so much nicer. Like, not not just nice. Not, like, pretty. It's not not even necessarily pretty. It's a more uh, jaunty way to write. A more uh, circumlocution to get to a point. But uh, it's so much more fun. It's like a carnival ride. It's like riding a... Carnival ride through the language. Um... The other thing, well, there was this, uh, Tom Wolfe book, which may may be the last book he'll ever come out with, called The Kingdom of Speech, which, uh, if you like Tom Wolfe, from time to time he's put out a sort of screed, um, a polemic, a short polemic, that, uh, Totally decimates whatever the topic of his polemic is. He did one about um, what did he do? He did one about Jackson Pollock and um, and modern art, but particularly about how bad Jackson Pollock is. He did one about uh, Bauhaus architecture, and now he did one uh, about uh, Noam Chomsky's uh, s- theories of speech. Of universal grammar, Noam Chomsky thinks uh, that I'm. am sorry for the lethargic. I'm. I'm three sips of Aeropress in, so I'm sorry. This isn't more. Um, <coughs> I feel like this is a. This is particularly a lethargic one here. <laughs> So I'm sorry for that. Um, I wish I could, I wish I wasn't forced to release this. But honestly, if I don't start pushing them out, who will? Right? Nobody else is going to make my podcast for me. Uh, what? Chomsky has the universal grammar, so he thinks that uh, if an alien came from, uh, from uh, Jupiter. One of Jupiter's moons. If an alien came from Europa, which is one of Jupiter's moons, from uh, Titan, Europa is the one with water, I believe. Alien came and uh, heard uh, a uh, an English speaker and a Japanese speaker and a Yoruba speaker, and then the alien would think they were all speaking the same language because that's how, that's how tight our, our universal grammar is. Uh, but then... And so... and so the To be a linguist over the last 50-plus years has meant to be uh, essentially a statistician. You take numbers. It's a lot of uh, sitting in offices at MIT and things, and... Um, Analyzing, analyzing, making computer models, and doing everything but going, uh, going out and doing what linguists used to do, which is listening to people speak and recording them and taking uh, careful notes on how people actually speak. <coughs> or, or so, so contends. You know, I'm pretty sure that I, that's what Tom Wolfe says is happening, and it jives with. Uh, what I had previously understood about linguists, but it, who knows? Maybe uh, th- there there has been. Uh, I think it's. I think it's safe to say there has been a um, kind of Chomsky mafia for the last, uh, you know, since the fifties. Um, in terms of the. Adherence to the idea of universal grammar. So the idea that there's not a universal grammar has been uh, not an okay thing for a linguist to believe, or so I understand. Um, Tom wolf paints a pretty easy, paints a pretty convincing case that um, that languages, there's no um, magic language center of our brain that it's just hobbled together by that we have a multipurpose brain that is able to create tools that we have uh like many many other animals and many many mammals we have the ability to make um sounds with our with our uh mouths and throats um that we can adjust our pitch like other mammals that we can that in that particular thing, there's no, there's nothing special about our, um, nothing special about our vocal abilities, right? Like that, that we're using the same. Uh, and I don't know, maybe it's gotten finessed over the years or something, but that, that essentially, we're you, you know, we're, we have the same, we're using the same clay that the, the, the chimps have and um, the other animals have. And there, you know, other animals are able to communicate with each other. Not, not, um, not about, uh, you know, and they're not able to write the critique of pure reason. But uh, I'm pretty sure other animals can express. There's fire there or something, you know, or like there's some meat here. Um, but. Uh, well's case in the end is extremely interesting, which is to say that uh, language uh, language is a, an artifact. It's a tool. Language is a tool that human beings created and the similarity uh, among language speakers is that they all come from the same prototype that's why it seems like we have universal grammar not because uh, not because it evolved that's the thing not because speech per se evolved um, but because it was invented. like um, what's the 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 uh, hand axe you know about the hand axe that there are uh, thousands of these things around the world these these um, uh, these artifacts that, that that early humans created that proto-humans created it's considered the earliest tool whether or not it's the earliest tool I don't know because um, it's the earliest tool that survived Okay, so it's made out of rocks um, and it survived but it, it's a uh, it's a stone that has been chipped away at one end to be extremely sharp and sturdy, and then the other end is kind of um, a little biscuit, like a little stone biscuit that's easy to hold. And you could beat antelope to death with these things, and you could probably cut up the antelope afterwards with these things. And you know, extremely useful tool that can be found all over, um, I believe, all over Africa, Europe, and Asia, which is amazing. I mean, that's that's um. that's kind of that's like the iPhone right like the, the it's a great piece of the difference with the iPhone is it's being created by um, one company but um, and if you take even all phones it's being created by a handful of companies but that's an amazing thing that you know like you, an idea is good enough and uh, useful enough and particularly I, what I love about the handaxe is that is not that it's um, not that it's sharp and useful but that it builds in comfort I mean, I think that's an extraordinary thing. That it builds in the ease of holding it, which is obviously important for usefulness, too, but that it's um, that it's spread partially because it was thoughtful like that. I like that, that it was made for the hand. Um, so the idea is that... Um, well, the thing is, that you, I mean, right, they call... It, uh, this is my problem with all these things, with the, the, the first, the first, right? Like, who knows the first... The first was probably like a bone or something, right? Like a shaped bone, but the bone— has, all those bones have disappeared. All those bones have—and if they did survive, they just look like bones now, right? Like, a, who knows what other, a le- what like a leather bag? Who knows? All these things that wouldn't have survived uh, in such um, such great numbers as, as uh, pieces of hard rock. So maybe the hand axe isn't the first invention. Maybe the hand axe is the ninth invention, and actually there were plenty of others that didn't proliferate quite as as much. Uh. Yeah, so the idea is that language is the same way. And the reason that all our languages sound so similar is because uh, it's the same reason that all the hand axes look so similar. Um. Which is an exciting thing. I mean, it, it, right, it's an exciting thing because if you think about um, writing in general, speaking even, and and uh, creative speaking, think about creative speaking, you think about writing, you think about fiction, there's something that's really stale and sad about the idea that um, we have some kind of, you know, we have our pineal gland that excretes... Uh, uh, that, that squirts out um what the hell is that from uh confederacy of dunce's Pini- pineal gland um, that, that, that constricts and then squirts out a little bit of uh pineal fluid or whatever that that, that that's um that's happening in a fixed way that all that, that whatever invention is possible in language is repetitions of a theme. That it's not actually invention. That it's um. That it's kind of nuance painted, uh, you know, thin a thin veil of nuance painted onto universal rules. Um, there's something really sad about that in terms of um. In terms of writing. Because it, it just makes it kind of pointless. Like if we okay, well if we have. Why do we need more of it then? Why do we need more of this? Like, here's my take on universal grammar. But if on the other hand, uh, language is an invention that uh, that is bounded by the ability to communicate it, essentially, like that's the that's the litmus test, and within that. The the uh, domain, you know, obviously it's not limitless, but on the other hand, the limits are far less defined, and the limits are more like what are words capable of communicating. Um, and it's so it's not just reordering, right? It's it's not just uh, adjusting them, but it's actually when you when you create a new word you are inventing it like it's a, an actual invention in the same way that the whole language is an invention so it's um it's truly innovating to add a word or to or to, or to change how ideas are communicated that actual change is possible because you can iterate you can, that maybe that's what i mean you can iterate on an invention you can't iterate personally on evolution evolution is gonna happen or not if we get better at language if it's an evolved trait and we get better at language whatever that means like if our communication becomes better and it's purely an evolved trait well then we don't have any control over that you know maybe we'll uh, maybe some adaptation. I'm not sure why that would evolve at this point right like why why would there be why would communicators why would people who are slightly better at communicating have more babies, right? Like, why? That doesn't make any sense. That's, I mean, it's the only way that... There's only two things that evolution... There are only two levers evolution has. One is uh, people, you know, or creatures die before they can um, proliferate. Before they can uh, procreate. Or... they live and just don't right like they like there's only two levers like it's death and uh death and sex are the only two or death and procreation are the only two levers that, that evolution has so why would that change at this point like what what's the what would be the driver of that in terms of death or sex um or procreative sex what would be the levers there to evolve language Which is, I mean, that is horribly boring, and that's not a reason in and of itself that uh, Chomsky's wrong, right? I mean, it could be that Chomsky's right, and it is just more boring, but I like Tom Wolfe's case. I think it's really interesting, and I think it's not a, I think he comes to a similar conclusion, and I I think there's a reason why he's um, someone like him who uh, really likes to push the language forward. Um, and really likes to write adventurously. I think it's not its not a coincidence that uh, he wrote what... Whether or not it will be what, at his age, he's like 90 or something, what very well could be his last book, and he knows in writing it that it could be his last book, and I think it's not a coincidence that uh, this, of all things, is what he chose. Well, anyway, I think that was actually surprisingly interesting. And, um... Hope you liked it. All right, so uh, thanks for listening. Um, I should probably—I I always forget. I'll put the intro at the end. Nine Ball Podcast, uh, DanBlondell.com. <sighs> follow along. Follow along. Dan Blondell on Twitter. And uh, oh, I don't like—I don't like the, the promos. I don't like station identification anyway um, have a have a great night or whatever.